passage, I will be reading in English. And for our Luke passage, I will be doing it in Spanish. This is what the Lord says this morning. Micah 6, 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before with him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, that to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Lucas 10, versos 25 al 29. En esto se presentó un experto en la ley, y para poner a prueba a Jesús, le hizo esta pregunta. Maestro, ¿qué tengo que hacer para heredar la vida eterna? Jesús le replicó, ¿qué está escrito en la ley? ¿Cómo la interpretas tú? Como respuesta, el hombre citó, ama al Señor tu Dios con todo tu corazón, con todo tu ser, con todas tus fuerzas y con toda tu mente. Y ama a tu prójimo como a ti mismo. Bien contestado, le dijo Jesús, haz eso y vivirás. Pero él quería justificarse, así que le preguntó a Jesús, ¿y quién es mi prójimo? This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Calvary Church. I'm really honored to be with you this Sunday morning while you are celebrating mission. And I'm really thankful to Pastor Manfred for inviting me to share with you the, the, the word of the living God. I go by the name Calaf in the USA. Actually, this is not my real name. Pastor Manfred knows my real name. We use it for protection. It's a pseudonym because what we do by preaching the gospel of the kingdom in the Middle East and North Africa, which is a very hostile field, they are not so friendly to those who preach the gospel. So this is for protection, and you can imagine in a hostile environment like this. Let me just share a little bit about my background. Uh, I came to the Lord in 1977, the 24th of February. It was a radical experience. I was then uh, uh, a communist, a young communist, uh, and I used to lead a little gang, and I heard uh, that the only evangelical church in town, they were having uh, some special meeting behind closed doors. So I went with a friend of mine, we kicked the door open, and to make the story short, we wanted to disturb their meeting that night the Lord arrested me and changed my life for good. And ever since, I've been serving the Lord all my life. Because I remember the first thing I did after accepting him, I found a Bible. It took me a while to find an Arabic Bible. 
and I just shut myself in my room and I start studying the word of God from cover to cover. In two months, I finished it. I discovered it's too good to keep to myself. So with other Christian friends, we start going to the streets, inviting the street boys into the church hall. Actually, I stole the key to the church because that's how I used to get things. If I cannot take it, uh, by permission, I would steal it. And the church used to have two meetings a week, so every uh, day that there was no meeting, we had our own meeting. God blessed us. Some of the street boys got, got saved, and it was a movement was birthed among the young people. I'm a married man with uh, four children, three grandchildren, uh, I was hoping to study uh, law and become a famous lawyer. So I started studying law, went to the university. Half the way, the Lord started speaking to my heart about full-time ministry. I said, no, I felt miserable. Eventually, I said, yes. So ever since, I've been uh, preaching the gospel in the Middle East and traveling a little bit around the world. You have chosen a great topic, Micah 6, 8. I would like to read from verse 6 to 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. My friends, this is an amazing piece of scripture. And verse 8 sums up the law of Moses, sums up actually the whole Tanakh, the whole Old Testament scripture. It reminds me of a similar scripture in Luke 10, starting from verse 25. When a young man, a certain young man, an expert of the law, came to Jesus, asked him a question, what must I do to inherit the eternal life? And that's verse 26 of Luke 10. Jesus answered with asking him a question. Since he was a lawyer, a, a, a teacher of the law, he said to him, what's written in the law? The, this young man answered, Love the Lord your God with your heart, with all your heart, and with all your soul, 
with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, correct. You answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Well, this man wanted to test Jesus more. So he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus gave the story of the Good Samaritan. Who is my neighbor? My neighbor is every man who is in need and I can attend. Actually, the same scripture is being quoted in Matthew 22. And, and, and Jesus added to that, he said, all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. In another word, Jesus saying all the law and all the prophets are summed up in loving God and loving others. This is what Micah is saying. He's saying that God asks us, of us to act justly with each other and to love kindness, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. The word loving kindness, the word translated mercy or favor uh, or showing love, it is in Hebrew chesed. In English we say hesed. This means love in action. So when you hear the word hesed, it means something has to happen towards somebody else. It doesn't matter if that person deserves it or not, but it is an act of love towards the others. The problem in the days of Micah and the days of Jeremiah and most of the prophets, Israel the Jewish people would go on Shabbat to worship the Lord. They will celebrate the feasts of the Lord. They will offer their sacrifices and they will be good, holy people, obedient to the requirement of the law while they were in the temple. As soon as they leave the temple, they live their lives according to their own ideas. And especially in the time of Micah. It was, religion was flourishing. The temple was decorated and looked beautiful. And during the prayer times, the temple was jammed with people. But as soon as they leave, they will cheat each other in business. They will not use the same measures. They cheat even in, in the balance, in measuring. They take advantage of the poor and vulnerable people. And they, 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 they take the land, they take their homes, and they use their influence to get fatter and to get richer. For them, religion is when they are in the temple. For them, this is what God requires from us. We will do it. But afterwards, 
we will do whatever we like, whatever we desire in life. You know, it's written in 1 John that we cannot claim that we love God and not love our brother. And when I say our brother, it sometimes the inclination comes to our mind. I'm talking about born again Christian, church members, family members. When I say our brother, I mean our brother in humanity, another man. It doesn't matter the color or the race or the, or the language or the background, which country he or she come from. God said, you cannot claim that you love me and you don't love your brother, the man and the woman who were created in my image. You cannot say, I love God and hate his image. That is what the message of, of the Bible throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Our relationship with God, we have received his kindness. We have received his mercy and he has forgiven us. And God showed his love to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we might not perish. We deserved hell. But God, out of his kindness, in his love, in his mercy, he has drawn us to him. And that is what God is saying to Israel in Jeremiah 31, starting from verse 2. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find favor in the desert. I will come and give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you again. I will you and you will be built. Virgin Israel, again, you take your tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when the watchmen cry on to the hell uh, and uh, cry on and uh, to the hell on the hills of Ephraim, and they will say, "Come, let's go up to Zion to the Lord our God." God is drawing his people. He's not driving them. You see, God never uses his strength and power and might to drive us, to force us into relationship with him. God shows us his real heart because God is love. And all what he can do is love us. That's why he said to Israel, with an everlasting love, eternal love, that means I loved you, Israel, before you were created. And I love you, Israel, now while you are backsliding away from me. I will always love you, Israel. There is nothing can stop me from loving you. This is the love of the Father shown to all of us. This is the love that we have seen in the Messiah you know, surrendering his life on the cross on our behalf. This love 
compels us. This love draws us to the Father and we come to him as his sons and daughters. My friends, you remember the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son took all what he thought it his inheritance, his rights, wasn't his rights, the father was still alive. But the father would not keep him against his will in the house. But he gave him what he wanted. And you know, he went on and he wasted everything and wasted even his dignity, wasted his health. And he came back to his mind and he said, what am I doing here? I'm going to go back to my father's home. What was the driving force? that gave him the confidence that after all what he has done, that his father would welcome him back. It was the father's love. My friends, the love of God draws us near to God, more than fear of hell, more than fear of judgment. Fear never produces sons and daughters. Fear produces slaves in bondage. And God wants us once again to be his sons and daughters. He's saying to Israel, I will draw you with my loving kindness. And I will build you again. I will restore you again. You know, this is... This prophecy, when the, Cald or the Babylonians, they were surrounding Jerusalem. They took over the northern kingdom, and now they want to take Judah. And, and uh, Jeremiah, who has been preacher, repent, repent, and judgment, now in, verse, uh, in chapter 30 to 33, he's preaching future. He's preaching God's atoning love. God's covenant love with Israel. I will bring you back. I will rebuild you. And in, the, in 1948, we witnessed in the 19th century the greatest miracle ever. God is collecting and bringing his people Israel because of his loving kindness, because of his covenant love, bringing them back to their land that he promised to give them. I know their restoration is not full yet because they are fully restored when they embrace their Messiah, when they repent of their sins and they will sing Baruch Habab B'Shem Adonai, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's God's love that drew you and me. It's God's love that changed you and me because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross, on your place, in my place. And God's love has been overshed by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. My friends, this is the meaning of his eternal love. I will always love you no matter what you do. 
No matter what circumstances you are in, I loved you before I created you, and I love you now, and I shall love you in the future. I will always love you because that's my character, and you are my son, you are my daughter, you are Israel, my firstborn. I'm a father to Israel, he says in Jeremiah 30. Let's ask the question, my friends, why are we believers? Did we come to God because of fear of judgment? Or did we come because we saw his love? No one has loved us or will love us like the love of the Father. And that is the time, he's saying, the time will come, the Lord. Actually, he's saying, the time is coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, this is the covenant I will make with, with them, said the Lord declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is God's kindness. We don't deserve it. It is by his grace, but because he is a good father. And now he's saying to the Israelites, you couldn't keep my law. The Moses law was given to them in Sinai. And he made a covenant with them when he took them out of the bondage of Pharaoh that he will be their God and they will be his people. But what did they do? As soon as they left Egypt, they haven't even arrived in the promised land. They start breaking God's law. They start sinning against God. They start breaking God's heart. They couldn't keep the law of Moses. Well, let me tell you the truth. No man can keep the law of God because the law of God serves two purposes, in my opinion. Purpose number one, to prove that I'm a sinner. I cannot satisfy God's requirement. I'm a sinner. I cannot obey the requirement of God by my own power. I'm incapable of pleasing God as a sinner born in sin, born in bondage of sin. The second purpose the, that it will point us to the Messiah, to Jesus, the only one who fulfilled 
God's, uh, God's law. And he said, I didn't come to, uh, to break the law. I didn't come to change the law. I'm coming to fulfill the law. And Jesus is the only man walked on earth sinless and perfectly he met all the requirement of the law of God. And not only this, he showed us the loving kindness, the mercy of God by taking your place and my place on the cross. That is why now we have a new covenant through the Messiah. You remember Jesus when he was celebrating the Last Supper, when he was celebrating uh, the, uh, during the Atonement Day, the Yom Kippur, uh, the, uh, uh, the, how the Egyptians were uh, freed and taken by God, uh, the Jews out of Egypt. While he was eating and, and celebrating uh, the 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 uh, lamb, uh, he said to them. He took the cup and he said, "This is the cup. This is the new covenant by my blood. I'm making a new covenant. This is the covenant uh, that Jeremiah was prophesying." It's a new covenant because now it's not just a, a, a table of requirements and commandments we have to keep and another table of things we have to avoid. God is now, instead of writing the, his commandments on the stones like the days of Moses, he is writing them in our hearts, in our minds, through the work of the Spirit because of the sacrifice, the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why you and I, now we are the temple of the living God. It is coming from inside because when we come to Jesus and we've confessed that we, are, we broke his law, we cannot keep it and we are helpless and we cry to him, he comes, he changes us, he gives us new heart, he gives us new mind and he lives in us and with his Holy Spirit, he is Christ on our hearts his commandment he fills us with his love it's his mercy that saved us it's his love kind loving kindness that drew us that made him sacrifice his only begotten son on the cross my friends we have received mercy now as sons and daughters of the most high we need, if we are the daughters and the sons of the Most High, we need to live it out. This kindness, live it out, show it to, show it to the people in action. And I come back to the story of the Good Samaritan. When that young man asked Jesus about the greatest commandment in the law. When he said to him, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. He said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, to explain, to illustrate, he gives this story. 
I don't know, it looks like a parable, but it could be a real story about this man who is a stranger who was coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho and then thieves, robbers at that area during those times was very dangerous. They jumped on him, they beat him up and they took all his things and they left him half dead. A priest comes by, walks away. A Levi walks away. But this stranger, a Samaritan, he, he comes, he sees him, he looks at him. Oh boy, he's almost dead. He tried to, to do first aid for him. And after that, he, 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 he put him on his uh, uh, donkey he took him to the hotel and he paid money and he says to the hotel keeper uh, take care of him and when I come back whatever you spend on him I'll pay it to you and then Jesus said and he reversed the question the question was who is my neighbor that young scribe asked but Jesus now he is reversing it and say who is the neighbor of the man who was half dead and half life, the man who was beaten up by the rebels. He said, the one who did him mercy and good. He said, go and do the same. My friends, why do we preach the gospel of the kingdom to people. Why do we send missionaries? Is it because we don't want them to go to hell? Why do we want them not to go to hell? It's the love of God. It's the kindness we have received. And now it fills our hearts. It fills our minds. And when we look at our brother and sister, wherever we see them, we see them through Christ's eyes. We see them through his love. And we say, hey, wait a minute. I have a good message for you. God loves you. God wants to show you mercy. God wants to, to change your life. God is going to do with you a new covenant. God is going to replace your stony heart with a flesh heart. God is going to inhabit your body with his Holy Spirit and, and, and make you enjoy being a son and a daughter. God wants to reinstate your prodigal son back into the household, back to the love of the Father, back to the protection of the Father. It's God's love that compels us to go because we have loved him and now with that love we are loving everybody because everybody is created in the image of God we cannot simply close our eyes to the challenges of others we cannot close our eyes to the cries of the widows and the orphans and people who are hurting and there are many people hurting nowadays, especially with the corona hitting so badly. 
Many people are mourning. Many people are desperate. Many people outside the Western world, they are walking in darkness. They are walking into hell and they don't know that there is hope. They don't know that there is a savior called Jesus who loves them. All their ideas about God. God is demanding everything from us. God wants to make us miserable and we cannot please God. This is a big lie. When God created Adam and Eve and put them in paradise, he said, from all the trees of, of the garden you may eat and enjoy, including the tree of the knowledge of life, the tree of life, but he said, one tree is the knowledge of evil. Don't eat from it because the day you eat, you shall die. You shall be separated. You shall be cut off from me and from my love. But that even our sin didn't stop God. So God became man because he knew man cannot please God and God came as a perfect man in, in the person of Jesus and he lived his life. He fulfilled all the requirement on our behalf. He is our second Adam. The first Adam failed and we failed in him. Our second Adam who took our flesh without sin, he defeated Satan, defeated temptation, and he fulfilled God's desire and fulfilled God's requirement. And therefore, and he died and he paid for my sin. And therefore, now I embrace his love and he changes me and he transforms me and he wants me to become an agent of change and transformation. All what I need to do is telling people about his loving kindness. Telling people, I was blind, but now I can see because he loves me and he loves you too. And the same thing he has done in my life, he can do it in your life. My friends, we are in debt to all peoples on earth that they might receive the gospel in the same measure we have received it. Does that sound familiar to you? This is actually my own translation, interpretation of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. We are in debt to all peoples that they might receive the gospel, that they might receive the kindness of God, they might receive the mercy of God, they might receive the favor of God in the same measure we have received you. I want to thank you and I want to bless you and I want to pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you, we bless your holy name. You're a missional God, you are always reaching out, Father. Father, when we have sinned and deserved judgment, you didn't leave us alone. You came down, you took our place, you paid the price, and you drew us with your loving kindness, and you have transformed us. And now, once again, you have restored us to relationship with you so we enjoy 
being part of your household. Father, I pray for the millions who still need this, Father. They are in desperate need, Father. They walk in darkness. They walk in ignorance. Uh, they followed false religion, lies of men and demons. Father, I pray that your loving kindness would compel us to love the people with the same love you loved us so we might go out of our comfort zone and tell them about you and about your kindness about your holiness about your salvation about how much you love your people and how much you desire to change their lives and to bless them and make them once again part of your household part of your family bless this church lord bless the leadership bless them as they seek daily to please you and to do your will that this church will become a channel of blessing to many people around the world, to their local community, to the USA, and to the whole world. Make them salt and light in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this church, in our lives, on earth, as it is in heaven, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you.